greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. So many of you saw it last night, Madison Square Garden, and now the rematch has been signed. Monday night, January the 19th, the heavyweight title on the line. Kamala, the Ugandan headhunter to challenge Hulk. Hogan and Hulk, you and I go back a long time together, but never have I seen you brutalized like you were last night at the hands of Kamala and Hulk. This return match, no disqualification. If anything, it gives Kamala a license to destroy. Well, kill her, kid, if you're going to be a Hulkamaniac, man. Don't be out here crying the blues, brother. What this no disqualification does is it turns the pythons into legal weapons. What else would you expect a governing body like that WWF to do when I was brutalized, man, by the Ugandan giant, by Kimchi, by the wizard, by the Shaka Khan's tooth? The only thing they could do was answer my cries, man. Give me the tools. Give me the weapons to get even with this Ugandan giant. And even I will get, man. Killer Ken, the Hulkamaniacs don't go for this brutalization, breaking the rules, going above and beyond. But now that we know the rules, now that we know the rules of the concrete jungle, Kamala, you better be ready for anything, man. I could come to the ring with a spear. I could come to the ring with tape fists, brass knuckles, man. But I'm coming to the ring with a big surprise for you. Oh, yeah, the no disqualification rule. You know all about that. But verbally, you may not understand me. You may not be getting the message, man. So physically, I've got a little surprise, Killer Ken. Madison Square Garden, be ready for the New York City jungle hunt. Welcome back to the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett. That is Mrs. Wonderful Paula Bennett. And coming to us live from Sopranos Town, USA, he burst onto the podcast scene last week with a dazzling debut, the one and the only Hollywood Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? What's up, brother? Maybe I'll be dazzling Dave Rollins now. You never know. You might have started something new there. We might have to trademark that quick. But anyway... I'm over here in Sopranos Town, USA, but it's not the same since the last time we talked because this time we got a little bit more COVID restrictions. Our governor thinks he has the power of, of Jack Tunney or something over here holding things down in Sopranos Town. How would you think Silvio Dante would feel about closing up the bottom being at 10 o'clock? One thing you don't do is mess with Tony Soprano's money. And uh, Silvio, being the underboss, uh, being the consigliere, uh, if I said that correctly, I uh, would not Good appreciate, enough. would not appreciate. Uh, Governor Murphy and his ridiculous lockdown. Handsome man, by the way. Well, not really. Yeah, hideous and uh, hideous family. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about him is brutal. Oh, uh, man. All but, right. <laughs> but uh, it's everywhere. California, we got restrictions in New York here with King Cuomo. Uh, so it's not much better here. King uh, but, Cuomo. But the good news 
is that uh, the debut was dazzling, as we said earlier. Uh, people were very, very, very uh, happy about it. We, Before we posted it, we had sent it out to some VIPs of the podcast, and I want to thank this them. Maybe the first, I'm sorry, this may be the first time I've ever been asked back anywhere. I want to thank everyone who did listen to the show uh, for us ahead of time. Uh, Justin at Place to Be Nation uh, gave me some notes. I believe Jenny from uh, the Jenny position, Keith and uh, Peter from Greetings from Allentown. Uh, so anyone, uh, some of Dave, I Thanks, know some guys. of your friends, uh, anyone you want to shout out who gave you some notes early? Uh, seems like, yeah, we got a couple, but it seems like our biggest fan right now from Nutley, New Jersey. He's just um, a uh, policeman. His name is Kevin Hogan. He's a big, big fan of ours. That's something that his last name happens to be Hogan. We're not kayfabing you there. Uh, my buddies, uh, we named a couple of them last week, Anthony Pagano, Danny Stewart, Tim Mangione, Chester Dezikowitz. If I'm leaving anybody out, you know, I'm sorry. But, yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of great feedback, and thank you guys very much. Yeah, Appreciate just thanks it. to everyone who who gave us some some feedback from the VIP. And then what we did is uh, we posted it on the uh, the Sportscasters feed. And I, I want to give a little bit of minutia, some podcast minutia here just to, to clear it up. So when I created the Sportscasters, I had to uh, create an RSS feed and buy an RSS feed. And I do that through SoundCloud. So the kind of official home of the Sportscasters is uh, soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. And then I take that address and I give it to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and all the other podcatchers. And they distribute the podcast and take care of the bandwidth. And and that's how podcasts get listened to. Now, with 24-inch podcast, it's going to live on that RSS feed. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, the logo will just be the Sportscasters logo. But I noticed that most of the other podcatchers will display the 24-inch podcast logo. And the 24-inch podcast logo is also on SoundCloud. The only negative to that is you can't search necessarily 24-inch podcast on your app and have the it come up. The Sportscasters will come up. And you should subscribe to that. And I'll explain it more. But And for people who are kind of used to podcasts, it won't be a, an issue. But, you know. Yeah, a lot of people on my end that were doing, you know, listening out of friendship or whatever and are enjoying it and are going to be uh, lifelong listeners, you might want to say. They, they don't know too much about that. We're having a little, little trouble there. But we'll also make sure to always post links and things like that you, that you can just follow on our social media, including our uh, Twitter, which is at uh, 24inch podcast. The number two four inch podcast, uh, but yeah, I was really pleased with the feedback. It seemed really good, and uh, we're encouraged so much. Encouraged that we're probably recording this sooner than we planned, just because we were so excited to do it. Yeah, brother, yep. and thank you everybody. This time of year, I know it's crazy with uh, bad enough with all that's going on in the uh, world in the country right now, the world, and then uh, you know the holidays right in the middle of Thanksgiving. You know, the Survivor Series always has had the lowest buy rate of the big four, so but everybody's giving us feedback and enjoying the 24-inch podcast debut. Like I said, I've been asked back, and I uh, couldn't be happier. Let's go. I'm just as pumped up as Jesse Ventura on WrestleMania Sunday. Yeah, and some of the feedback are things we're going to work out, you know, things like our technology. Dave's new to this. We're working on that. We'll build that up. You know, we had this really strange kind of like, glitch in one or two spots where the, the the podcast cracked up a little bit that's just something that happens i, I have no idea why uh that, i've heard that before on, on other 
other podcasts. Yeah, that kind of thing. Really long time. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing just happens. Uh, but we'll work on you know giving the best EQ and the best uh, technical version of the podcast. All that stuff will come along uh, as Dave gets better equipment, as I get better equipment. That that's hey, don't all... talk about my equipment. I have good equipment. Oh, that never mind. Right, of course. Uh, and the other thing I want to mention is that this isn't the pilot. We recorded that. But the podcast is, you know, still kind of in beta, and we're going to experiment with some different things. Maybe segments will come in, come out. We'll maybe like the way we do something, not like the way we do something, but bear with us. And please give us your notes. You can email us, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at 24inchpodcast there as well. All right, Dave, do you want to tell them what we're doing today? Today we are doing... Uh, one of the uh, last time last week we did uh, WrestleMania two, Hulk Hogan, King Kong, Bundy, one of the big ones. That was one of the big feuds. Today we're going to the house show feud, our, our uh, second kind of show we're, we're uh, working on, and this time is going to be from December of eighty six into January of nineteen eighty seven. Probably all the Hulk's prime, at least in my opinion, and he is working with none other than the Ugandan headhunter, the mighty Kamala, in Madison Square Garden. Now, I got to ask Paula, who's sitting here with us. Paula, how has the research been going for the Kamala episodes? Have you been watching Kamala? Yeah. Yeah? What do you think of Kamala's matches? Good and bad. Good and bad? What do you like about Kamala? Oh, I got good because when he takes his mask off when when he goes in the wing. Yeah, because you think that mask is a little scary? Mm Mm-hmm. And what happened when he fought George Steele? Oh, oh, wait. Oh, brother. Spoiler. We'll get into that later. Okay, baby? All right. Hey, Mrs. Wonderful. Uh, Roddy Piper on a Piper's Pit when he took the mask on. That was like the uh, idea of the whole Piper's Pit. He said, put the mask back on. Put the mask on. So he even scared the great Rowdy Roddy Piper. Kamala's is a scary man, especially back in 1986. So I, I, I got you on and, this one. And what we're going to do is we are going to, in a second, take a break. And when we come back... We're going to talk about the man, James Harris, Kamala. We'll talk about who he was, uh, how he got into wrestling, where he broke in, what territories he was on. Uh, Then we're going to talk about uh, the build of Kamala, you know, uh, for the WWF, how they got him ready for Hogan. Uh, We'll talk about some of Kamala's uh, claims about the business. Uh, He's a notorious, notorious complainer about the payouts. He got over his career, and there's one in particular from 1992 that Dave and I will talk about. Uh, that every time you hear the story, uh, his pay gets lower and his opponents get higher. Uh, and then we'll get into the November of '86 MSG. We'll take another break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna read the news. That's something new we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna do the 1226 MSG show, and then we're gonna end with the January '87 MSG. Uh, and that will be our focus where we'll really kind of run down the card, talk about what else is going on in the promotion, really break down Kamala and Hogan 2, uh, and then get into the legacy. And then in the last uh, part of the show, we'll read listener emails and give you a clue as to what episode 3 is going to do. Any questions, Dave? I'm just ready to go. I'm excited. Any questions, Paula? I think we should dig it up. All right, that means we're ready to roll. Pick it up. We'll take a we'll break. Pick you up on the other side. And we'll be right back.
Thank you for listening to the 24-inch podcast. Don't forget to check out Steve's other podcast, The Sportscasters. It's at soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Follow Hollywood Dave Rollins on Twitter at H-D-R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S. Don't forget about Greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson. It's one hour of wrestling TV from the last 40 years. Also on that feed, Greetings from Allentown Live starring uh, the great Keithy and also the Adams Division podcast starring Steve and Peter Winson. We are back. It's episode two of the 24-inch podcast. Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins, and Paula episode Bennett here two. as well talking Kamala, Hulk Hogan. The feud really runs from December of 86 through January of 86. We'll talk about that as January we go on. January 87. Or excuse me, um, 87. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with uh, Kamala. Who is Kamala? James Arthur Harris, born May 28th, 1950. And, of course, he did pass away. Uh, sadly, August 9th, 2020, complications of uh, diabetes, COVID-19 as well. Uh, really, Rest in peace. Yeah, Kamala. really poor health at the end of his life. Uh, and we'll get, we'll, get to, we'll get to that as we go on as well. Uh, the Ugandan Giant, uh, that was the nickname. And uh, really, he was born in Mississippi. Uh, in Coldwater, Mississippi is where he grew up. He had four sisters. The mighty Mississippi. Yeah, he had four sisters. Uh, his father got killed tragically in a dice game when he was a kid, and um, uh, that was rough for the family. So then they had to move. He got into football, uh, and when he was playing football, he was called Sugar Bear. That was his nickname in his football. Um, he played in junior high and high school, uh, and then when he graduated, he was looking for you know work, and uh, he didn't know much. He, he rode he rode trucks. Um, and he, he got in trouble in school. He was like a burglar and he was always getting arrested and things like that. So he needed something, uh, because, you know, they kind of told him like, Hey, you're going to end up, you know, you're going to end up dead or in jail for life. Uh, and his friend, tiny Tim Hampton, uh, is who, who began to train him and get him into, into wrestling. Uh, he debuted in 1978, uh, under the name sugar bear Harris. And I kind of mentioned how he got that name from. He was discovered by Bo- Bobo Brazil. I don't know if you were getting there yet or not. Yeah, Bobo Brazil, and then it was Tiny uh, Tiny Tim Hampton was a friend of uh, Brazil. There you go. Right, that helped him train. Percy Pringle was his first manager. Oh and, yes. And, yeah, his first championship was the NWA Tri State in uh, 1979. Um, and really, he was all over. He was Continental Wrestling. Uh, Mid-South is where he really got huge. Now, in Continental Wrestling and uh, working in Memphis, uh, that's where the, the, the gimmick Kamala was, was, was created by Jerry Lawler. And um, Jerry Lawler had drawn some cartoons. And I was reading yesterday that Lawler was a little nervous to bring it up to Kamala because kind of, he was worried that it was uh, racially insensitive. And Kamala not might not like it and might be mad at Jerry, but Kamala did like it actually. And Steve, uh, wasn't something actually going on in Uganda at the time where they got the idea from? Did you, did you uh, hear anything about that? Um, yeah the um, 
the backstory well the backstory of the of the character is that he was a bodyguard of a president in Uganda uh, named Idi Amin. And uh, stuff. And they say that J.J. Dillon was on an excursion to Africa and found him. So that's kind of the, the kayfabe backstory okay. that they brought up. And I, and I also love, if, if I want to have my two cents here, uh, they filmed that uh, vignette with uh, Kamala where the guy's talking about it, the announcer's talking about everything about him. Kamala, he does this and that. Kamala. And I believe that was filmed in Jerry Jarrett's yard. And that actual vignette would play when he would go to all the different territories. If he went over to Mid-South, they'd play the same vignette. When he went to World Class, they, they played the same vignette. And then I believe in the only in the 84 run, we'll get there, in the WWF, they even played that vignette. Isn't that crazy? The WWF playing a vignette made elsewhere. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that in there, my friend. Really interesting. Like I said, he went down to Mid-South, 82 to 86, and that's where he got, kind of got, really got huge down there. Uh, working main events, uh, working with Andre the Giant in the Louisiana Superdome. How about a body slam on Andre? An early one. Yep. Facing the Junkyard Dog in a series of the Battle of the Monsters. Uh, so he really got, really got over there. Uh, then it was actually Bob Watts who didn't want to burn him out and got him to world class in Texas. And in Texas, he debuted... And obviously, you go to Texas, who are you going to work with? The Von Erichs. The Von Erichs. Yep. And uh, he worked a lengthy feud with the Von Erich family. He wrestled David. He wrestled Kerry. He wrestled Kevin. Um, when they had the memorial for David, he wrestled the great Kabuki. Um, and he was there till late 85 or so, you know, on and off. Uh, Andre, he worked with, with Andre there. Work with Andre uh, also had to stop in the WWF. Well, in, that's in where he was going. Yeah, in 84. He got a call uh, saying that Vince wanted to possibly talk to him. And I, I mentioned Andre because after working with Andre, Andre mentioned him to Vince and kind of insisted that they bring him to New York, as they say. And uh, he worked with Freddie Blassie, uh, who was his mouthpiece at that point. And Friday this time, the original Friday, his name's escaping me, not Steve Lombardi, who became Kimchi. In '86, and held the role the entire time. Friday was he has he's deceased now. It was a variety but, uh, of people actually. There wasn't one specific person. Interesting. Yeah, there was a few different Fridays. Um, okay. And this, I wish there was a few different Fridays in life. Yeah, absolutely. One. <laughs> this run was when he did the the segment on Tuesday Night Titans where he eats the chicken. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And the chicken also. Uh, he he may have uh, relieved himself on 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 air on the USA Network. Yep, Paula, what do you think about wrestlers eating live chickens? Who else used to do that? Um, Sika. Sika. Yeah, we're gonna be bringing him up yeah, in this we'll, episode as well. We'll talk about Sika. Do you have something in your notes, Paula? Yeah. Okay, what do you got? I got when he eaten the chicken. <laughs> when he eaten the chicken, yeah, that was. A little... <laughs> he also ate a raw fish, Paula. Yep. We'll get to that. Uh, he beat Brian Blair. You know, he, this is who he was working with that first time around. I think he came down thinking, you know, it's going to be Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. But it started out with, with Brian Blair. He did have some matches uh, with with Hogan the first time around, but mostly Andre and, and Brian Blair. Yeah, Andre was was the TV feud. Andre would come yeah. down to the ring during uh, Kamala matches. 
Kamala will come down to the ring during Andre matches. And a lot of our listeners out there may recognize this feud from the intro of the Coliseum video, the, you know, the, the early ones from uh, 1984 to 86, Andre's body slam Kamala inside the steel cage. That comes from this feud. 84 to 86, he's bouncing around. You know, he's in the AWA a little bit. You lost a boot. Yeah, some, uh, some work with Sergeant Slaughter in the um, super, super Clash, whatever the heck they called it, when the uh, AWA combined, what was that, that federation that combined, they had a Saturday morning show combined to take on the WWF, the AWA and NWA. Yep, the Super Clash Supercard was the name of the show uh, that he worked in. Um, and, of course, um, you threw me off my spot there a little bit, but I got it. He was uh, oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, slaughter, boot camp match. Uh, and then he faced Rick Martel for the AWA title. Never won it, though. Uh, he went down south to Jim Crockett, and he unsuccessfully challenged Magnum TA uh, for the NWA United States Championship in his only appearance at the Great American Bash. Finally, he got to Japan, worked over there a little bit, and even worked in Quebec, um, working with all the great Montreal wrestlers in early 86 oh. before finally returning to uh, the WWF, uh, where our story is going to begin. That was July of 86, and he's now managed by the Wizard and has Kim Chi, who, as you said, Dave, was usually portrayed by Steve Lombardi. Yes, sir, and the uh, the Wizard, I think, I think this is the most Kamala's most successful and most memorable run, the 1986-87 WWF run. And I think a big part of that got to be handed to Curtis Iakea, King Curtis, the Wizard, for his uh, his promos. They're just they're frightening. I think he's one of the best talkers of all time. And they uh, Hogan and Kevin Sullivan brought him back to WCW for the Dungeon of Doom. Maybe not as memorable. Maybe memorable in a different way. But uh, definitely one of the greats uh, that sometimes goes unnoticed, King Curtis, the wizard. Uh, Kamala is known, and I mentioned this earlier, for being really negative about the business in terms of payouts. And I researched it quite a bit last night. I listened to his side of the story and a Hannibal shoot, a couple other shoots, and then researched a little bit more. By his own admission, he said he was making for four years straight for Bill Watts, $4,000 a week. So that's two hundred grand in the early 80s. Back then. You know, uh, is good money. He also said that he was making $4,000 for every WWF match against Hogan and MSG and two or $3,000 for the other buildings against Hogan. Um, so to me, it seems like a guy who didn't save his money and is bitter. A little bit of sour grapes. A little brother. bit of sour grapes. Now, there's this infamous story which he tells all the time he worked with the undertaker at SummerSlam 1992 and he claims that the undertaker made five hundred thousand dollars for that match and he was paid which merely, already is not can't be true right and he was paid merely thirteen thousand now yeah would i be shocked if the undertaker made fifty thousand and he only made thirteen thousand no but first, there's no chance, Dave. Come on, that the Undertaker that, got paid in, in 1992 500 grand just, for one match. He had just turned face. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't at the top. He wasn't headlining any house shows. The Undertaker, nothing against him. He actually never really did. By the way, all this hoopla around him. Even though I am a, somewhat of a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, yeah, he's not getting uh, half a mil 
at SummerSlam 92. He was probably like the fifth or sixth most important guy on, on that show that night uh, at that time. And Kamala, of course. I mean, if we're being honest, has no idea what Undertaker made for that match. No. No idea. Uh, Dave, it's probably just Kamala. It seems like he, you know, people, you know, was with telephone, telegraph, telewrestler. Is that what Jimmy Hart always says? It seems like that's uh, what what's happened to Kamala. Somebody's in his ear, and he seems like a nice guy and probably probably believes what he's told. That's how I see it. Yeah, and maybe a little bit gullible, too. There you go. You know? Same thing. Um, you had a story that kind of touches on his money, too, because he passed up on a pretty big payday in 87. He sure did. Yeah. What, he sure did. Would you like me to yeah, uh, absolutely. touch on that? Okay. Well, the, well this is going to be at the very end. The stuff we're going to cover tonight is from the December and January 86 and 87 uh, Madison Square Garden WWF shows. But after that, Hulk Hogan continued to work with Kamala even after WrestleMania three, on and off. And it, it uh, went into the fall of 1987 and the big, the big Saturn Night's main event season premiere on NBC, October 87, taped in September. And um, Hulk Hogan was supposed to take on Kamala on NBC, but Kamala didn't want to go down for the one, two, three, because it would be seen by everybody, not just people in one specific area in the house show. NBC obviously goes all over the world, all, all over everywhere. And because Kamala had that mindset, he can't go to another territory after being beat every being beat worldwide, worldwide television. And uh, Sika ended up, Paula, one of your favorites, Sika ended up, he was Kamala's partner, taking Kamala's place in that match. And Sika got the payday from NBC and the WWF. That was a payday from Saturday Night's Main Event. And they also took a nice picture with a five-year-old, four or five-year-old Roman Reigns. That's uh, that night in Hershey. That picture uh, is on the internet this, uh, these days. Yeah, I, I so, think. Uh, yeah, that was a big mistake. Yeah, I think just a tactical mistake. You know, and when you're later in your life and you wonder why you don't have any money, well, you walked away from a bigger payday there. If anybody doesn't know, I, I didn't say uh, Roman Reigns is the son of Sika. Yes, the son of Sika. That should be his name, son of Sika. Forget about Roman Reigns. November of 1986, the WWF, we're about, what, we're about five months after where we were in episode one. Of course, this show, we're always going to kind of bounce around uh, chronologically. Uh, we're going to go backwards next week. We'll get to that later. But in... November of 86, the world heavyweight champion is, of course, Hulk. Uh, the intercontinental champion in November of 86 is the Macho Man. And the tag team champion, still the British Bulldogs. So all the champions where we left you last time, still the champions. And losing too much in non-title matches on TV, like I said last week. Yeah. Uh, the build of Kamala to get him ready for Hogan, especially at MSG, starts in November of 86 at the MSG show. Uh, where Kamala faces George the Animal Steel. And, Dave, you can talk about this a little bit. And I'll, I'll kinda... This one means a lot to me. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, talk about this well, match. You got it, brother. Well, anytime someone, when they first get into wrestling, I don't care what year it is, that's going to be the spot what they remember. Someone might say, oh, Kamala, George the Animal Steel, even Kamala Hogan. Who gives a shit? No, but for me, this is right. I got into it in August of 86, so we're right in a chunk of that time right now. And uh, this Madison Square Garden house show uh, was rocking. It was right before Thanksgiving, I remember. And being in my area in New Jersey, these MSG network shows, they were a very big deal. People that weren't watching in real time then might have just thought, ah, nobody really watches this shit. 
oh no, this was a big, big deal. Everybody in school watched MSG Network live, and um, it, it was a big deal. But anyway, uh, Steele and Kamala that night, I remember doing my homework at my parents' kitchen table and looking over at the match and that music, Kamala comes out. We've only really seen him squash jobbers up to this point, to me, from just getting to know him in 1986. And he was and, doing know, a lot of that. He was. He, almost every syndicated show had a Kamala match uh, where you he go. would just stretcher a guy in a few minutes. No, well, this, no, this starts that. Before this, he would, you know, splash the guy, whatever. This started the big top rope leap splash stretcher job. Then they started doing it to the jabronis on TV after this. But uh, I'm watching this, and George the Animal Steel, you know, he never, you know, you never really saw him get hurt. He might get beat up, but at the end of the match, he'd get his heat back, chase the guy out of the ring, eat the turnbuckle, everything. And as six-year-old boys, you know, you're going to, to me, he's a good, you know, he, I don't know the bad guy, George the Animal Steel. So I'm thinking the same thing's going to happen. So then all of a sudden, Kamala goes on the top rope, and boom, you see George's body actually jolt from that from that splash. Now, this, watching from a six-year-old's eyes, of course. You see his body jolt. And Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes' commentary, you know, his eyes aren't moving. They fluttered a bit. And it's just like, oh, my God. I'm, ju I'm just, like, th this is too much for me. And this is two days after Ricky Steamboat got his larynx cloaked crushed by uh, Randy Macho Man Savage on television. That's a whole story in itself. Two days later, there's this. So this is, this is, this is a rough week for, for a young Hollywood Dave. And they would really, George goes out. They would really play ahead, up, play up the, the top rope. And um, there was a big thing on the syndicates, a lot of um, debate. Should it be illegal for Kamala to go up to the top rope? And President Jack Tunney even claimed that he, he would like to outlaw it, but said his hands were tied because then he would have to not allow other wrestlers. But they really made it out that it was a deadly move. If he got on that and top rope and he squashed you, I mean, he even retired a guy, right? Went, uh, it's the, it's the opposite of Danny Davis, Jack Kruger. Yep. He retired him. <laughs> he came on the next week, one of those little inset promos, and yep. he went on for like 45 seconds. I'll never face Kamala again. It's really funny to look at it in hindsight. And then uh, he went on to become a, a referee who's a little disheveled, uh, refereeing uh, all over the, for the next couple of years. I'm definitely on Survivor Series 87, Jack Kruger. If anybody wants to look him up, that's pretty funny. But going back to the Garden in November 86, Kamala does the stretcher job. Captain Lou comes out, it, it joins uh, Lord Alfred and Gorilla on commentary, and claims that the, uh, George the Animal Steel burst out of the ambulance and was running through Central Park. I remember my Uncle Tito, who I'm going to bring up later, got a huge charge out of that. The animals loose running through, running through Central Park. <laughs> Some great stuff. And one more little thing about this incident. Uh, because I had first gotten into wrestling here, it means this, this match and whatnot means something to me. I met George the Animal Steel. I think it was, I think it was WrestleMania 20 weekend in Total New Jersey at one of those conventions. I've been to so many of them over the year over the years, and I brought it up to him. Now, he's mentioned this years later on shoot interviews, timelines, etc., so you might think I'm full of shit, but he really said it to me there first. Uh, that evening, he offered a hotel. He knew a manager of a hotel. Don't ask me which one. I don't remember. And he wouldn't let a lot of the boys go there who were wild. I guess, like, at the time, Piper, Bob Orton, Morocco, Adonis... He said he would let Hillbilly Jim stay there, maybe Greg Valentine, among others. So he has Curtis Iakea, checks him into the hotel, 
and everything. Everything's good. They take care of Curtis is a wizard. Take care of him and everything. Obviously, since George knows the owner of this New York City hotel, the guy has front row tickets at the garden. He sees his friend, George the Animal Steel, go out on a stretcher. Ikea gets back to the hotel after the show. Everybody's happy. His bags are outside on the New York City street. The guy threw him out of the hotel because he really believed that this happened, that his friend went there, went out on a stretcher because of Kamala and the wizard. Insane. I mean, so people can look up the story, but it's true. But that's how much people believed at this time. These guys didn't do anything in that match. A modern-day wrestling fan would laugh and make jokes at this match, but just listen to the crowd, the crowd's reaction. These guys know what they're doing in there. A little of this, a little bit of that, and you got them in the palm of your hands. That's something that we really lost. What's Hulk doing in November of 86 house shows? You got a rundown on that? Let's do a rundown of the Hulkster on tour in uh, November of 1986. We're going to start on November 15th. It's another one of the great Saturday night's main events. It aired on November 29th. It took place in the Los Angeles Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. 9.6 rating. Phenomenal on NBC. Hulk Hogan goes over Hercules Hernandez. Then on to South Bend, Indiana for a WWF Superstars of Wrestling TV taping on November the 19th. Hulkster takes uh, Hulkster with a win over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff by disqualification. November 20th, Rockford, Illinois, Wrestling Challenge, tap taping the next day, same thing, Hulk over Orndorff, DQ. November 22nd at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit in front of 13,000 fans, Hulk Hogan over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, this time in a no-disqualification match. 11:23, Salt Lake City, Utah at the Salt Palace, he pinned Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in front of 14,000. Then on to our uh, show we just discussed, November 24th, Madison Square Garden, 19,700 for a sellout. Listen to this one. Uh, partners with Rowdy Roddy Piper, and they, they defeated the team. And Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and the King Harley Race. That's the same night as Kamala and the George Steele angle. Alrighty, And uh, November 26th, Houston, Texas, the summit. This is televised over Orndorff again, this time in the steel cage, which I believe will be the first cage match between Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful. November 27th, Thanksgiving night. This is the, year, the last year before they did Survivor Series on that night. Springfield, Massachusetts. Kamala over King Kong Bundy. Interesting, interesting, interesting. We'll touch on that later. November 27th, Hulk Hogan over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in Pittsburgh at the Civic Arena in front of 13,000 inside a 15-foot high steel cage. And... Um, November the 30th, I'm sorry, in Maple Leaf Gardens. And when I was six years old, I used to think Gorilla was saying the make-believe garden. Because <laughs> Madison Square Garden was the real garden. How about that? In front of 15,000 fans over Kamala by disqualification, which I believe to be their first meeting of 1986. What do you think, Steve? Very nice. Very nice. A good month for the Hulkster all around on the road in the house shows. I always like to check in on that, see what uh, Hulk was up to. Mostly Orndorff, it sounds like. At that yeah, time. I see Kamala taking over at the end. And then Kamala jumping in at the end. All right. That's Kamala in 86. That's Hogan in 86. That's the WWF in 86. We got the champions. We got the build. Jack Tunney, his hands are tied. He wants to outlaw Kamala from jumping off the top rope because he's stretching guys. He's putting guys into retirement. And he wants to. But here's the thing, Dave. What if he does it to Hulk? What if he comes off the it. top rope and... 
lands that splash on Hulk. Is Hulk going to be a referee? (laughs) In my mind at that time, I thought even worse. I was petrified as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we come back. We're going to read the news. Uh, We're going to talk about the always important December of 86, the day after Christmas, the house show at MSG. We're going to talk about that. Big show. Yep, Kamala versus Hogan won in MSG. Uh, And then we're going to get into our main card and our main match, January 87 at MSG, uh, Hogan versus Kamala 2. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. kind of clean lather up with ivory 24 inch podcast steve bennett and dave Rollins coming back hey, at hey. you uh kamala the topic today december of 86 into january 87 uh and as the calendar turned from 86 uh to 87 i was wondering what was in the news and we're gonna try. Ooh. We're gonna try this. We're gonna see how we like it. Uh, but we're gonna read the news a little bit. Uh, maybe sort of like Robin Quivers. I'm gonna be uh, Robin Quivers, and Dave is gonna be Howard Stern. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> nice day for him. He just signed another five years, and uh, 100 million, 120 million from Sirius today. So, my goodness. Yeah. No surprise there, though. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, to Mr. Not Stern. the same. That, my, not the same. I was not saying I'm not a fan, but not, things aren't the same anymore. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. All right. So January 1st. But where are they the same? <laughs> January 1st, 1987, 60 bodies were recovered in DuPont Plaza Hotel Fire in Puerto Rico. Rough start to the new year there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, China's rudimentary civil code began. Uh, oh, I know all about that. Yeah, the 73rd Rose Bowl. <laughs> uh, the 73rd Rose Bowl, number seven, Arizona State beat number four, Michigan, uh, 22-15. Back in the day before all the Michigan players didn't have COVID uh, and have to cancel <laughs> their uh, Ohio State game. Uh, yeah. n- number three, Oklahoma beat number nine, Arkansas, 42-8 to in the Orange Bowl. Uh, kind of interesting. And then in a game, a very, very famous game. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl for the national championship. Number two, Penn State uh, beat number one, Miami, 14 to 10. Uh, 
Uh, and that was uh, when Miami flew down in the plane in camouflage. Uh, and they had Vinny Testaverde, who had won the Heisman. And he threw like four interceptions in Penn State. Uh, wow. Won the national, uh, the national championship uh, in Arizona that night at the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, over heavily favored Miami, who had a ton of, you know, superstars. Uh, Cleveland beat the Broncos in the AFC Championship game, and the Giants, Dave's Giants, beat the Redskins uh, 17 nothing in the NFC Championship game. Uh, there at the, you know, obviously that's the tail end of the '86 season. Those games played January 11th of '87 to set up the Super Bowl. Uh, which was Super Bowl number 21, I believe. One. Yeah, 21. 21. And that will we'll get to that in a minute as we get there. Seven of the top New York City mafia bosses sentenced to 100 years each in prison. I just watched something about this. Yeah, January somewhere. 13th. I've been watching uh, the, the – is it the Columbia family? The under One of the underbosses there. Um, something he, he went straight now, and he's got a really good YouTube channel, and he does all these really cool videos about, you know, his days in the mob and his dad. Why can't I think of his name? I'm gonna look it up real quick. It's a really good YouTube channel if you're into like mob shit. His yeah. name is Michael Francis. I don't know why I couldn't Michael. think of that. Yeah, and his dad was a famous mobster who just died this year at 103 years old. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, God bless him. But yeah. Uh, the seven. He survived. He survived a few whackings. Yeah, seven mafia bosses, hundred years each in prison. Um, wow. Hopefully, Tony uh, Soprano avoids that kind of. Uh... <laughs> well, we don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows, right? Except for David Chase. The, uh, January seventeenth, President Reagan signs a secret order permitting the covert sale of arms to Iran. Uh, that will be a famous thing to play out over the next year or so. Uh, on television with the hearings. I remember them always being on when I would come home from school. Um, checking those out. B.B. King donates 7,000 records, his whole collection to the University of Mississippi. Uh, and wow. he's also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that night with Muddy Waters as well. That had to be one of the early Rock and Roll Hall of Fames, here's, if I'm not mistaken. Here's one for you, Dave. January 27th, or 22nd, excuse me. There's a blizzard in New Jersey. Yeah. And 334 fans attend the Devils and Flames game that New Jersey's win 7-5. to five. Is there any chance you were one of the 334 in attendance? No chance. In the words of Vince McMahon's entrance song, no chance in hell. But I have heard about this before. And yeah. uh, as we're going to get to in the Madison Square Garden uh, in January of 87, and I think we had some snow that night. 334 fans, that's wild. Yeah, the big blizzard I remember as a kid was, for me in Buffalo, was 85. You in Buffalo, it's 85. It's, 85. it's every day. No? Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> it used not to anymore, be, not right? anymore. Yeah, we, we okay. haven't had, we average 100 inches of snow a year, and we haven't hit the average in like three or four years. So we don't get snow okay. like we used to. January 22nd also, famous YouTube video, Faces of Death, all that. Pennsylvania yes. politician yes. R. Bud Dwyer shoots and kills himself at a press conference on live national television. Uh, now, I think it's I pretty cannot... much come out that he got lied on. 
Yeah, I can, and I cannot not say that uh, Motley Crue used this footage um, for the song Flush from Generation Swine on the big screen at their concert, yep. the Generation Swine tour. Yep, at the I very was there, end, I remember. Boom, you see it, boom, happening. Like, the crowd is, like, dead for the next song because, like, that doesn't go with that kind of rock and roll. Right. Kind of crazy. And what, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What is the um, – what's the verdict on that? Why he I did think, that? He I, well, I think it's kind of accepted now that the key witness in the case to convict him was lying about his involvement. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. January, especially for back then. Yeah, January 23rd, a bad day for the Dow. Um, excuse me, a good day. It rose 64 points, but then drops 110 points. So it lost 44-15 net. So I guess uh, maybe that'd be a bad day. Hmm. Uh, the American Music Awards, back when those things you know, had integrity. When they mattered. Yeah, they would. Uh, they went off on January 16th. Whitney Houston won a bunch of awards. Lionel Richie in Alabama. Alabama, those are the big winners that night. All right, Alabama, now, interesting. A couple, huh? a couple more fun ones to end January here. All right, first of all, we're going to get to this, of course, but there is a, a title change. Uh, in in Well, first, all right, let's do this first. January 15th, Super Bowl 21, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. The Giants beat the Broncos 39-20, MVP Phil Simms. Do you remember anything about this Super Bowl? I I do. I, I remember a lot more from the next one in 1991. Yeah, I was kind of into. I remember my sisters and my dad all wearing the, the sweatshirts. We have we we have pictures in the photo album still. My dad always put a sign in front of the house. Go Giants. Even to up until 2011 when they made the Super Bowl. He does, he does that and um, get well soon to him. He's in the hospital, obviously, uh, by the way. But um yeah, yeah, I, re- I remember it. Everybody running outside and carrying on and everything. I sure, sure do remember. But Steve, I believe in the news, I may have screwed up. Did you say the Broncos lost in the AFC uh, Championship game? Well, if I did, I misspoke because obviously they beat okay. they beat yeah, the, yeah, I, I, they beat the Browns in OT on the drive. Uh, all the right, famous... we'll, we'll, we'll jump. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to see who's right on that when when we listen to the, our own podcast. Yeah, if that's yeah. if if Dave's right there. Uh, that was a misspoke on me. If he's not right, he's fired. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I won't be asked back what I'm using. <laughs> right. <laughs> For an unnecessary correction. We're going we're gonna to have an unnecessary Dave correction jar. There uh, you go. Also. Uh, and what if I'm right? What happens well, to you? Then I get fined. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll leave it up to Paula Mania. How about that? Poor reading of the news. There was a title change in the WWF uh, shortly after the NFL crowned a new champion. Uh, the WWF crowned a new tag team champion as the Hart Foundation beat the Bulldogs. And this is the, the culmination of the Danny Davis angle. And I'm sure we'll get to that somehow in some way. We'll talk about that more as we go yeah. on. But I remember just being devastated that the Bulldogs yeah. had lost. You know, uh, I think that January 27th TV taping, that was at the Sun Dome in Tampa. That's the greatest WWF. TV taping ever with the most happy. Oh my god! Least. Yeah, well, and we de- will get to it. We'll definitely get to that. You know, many <laughs> times over. Many times over, especially specifically one time over on our Andre the Giant show. Yeah, which we're obviously saving. We're not going to rush into that one. Yeah, they can wait. Yeah, that one's going to wait. Um, the Midnight Rockers beat Buddy Rose and Doug Summers to win the AWA Tag Team Championship. Great matches. Yeah. Great matches. Great. On January 28th, the new tag team champion, Jim Neidhart, he's indicted for assaulting a flight attendant. 
I remember my father telling me about this. Yeah. What? I actually remember him telling me. It must have been in the paper or somewhere because he knew about it here. Yeah, a couple more and we'll, we're out. Uh, January 29th, the president of the Philippines put down a rebellion against their government in Manila. Uh, and then on January 31st, the 44th Golden Globe Awards. Big winners that night, Platoon, uh, Bob Hoskins, Ooh. and Marley Martin. Who is, of course, a deaf actress. Okay. All right, that's the news. Let's move on. What else do we got? Let's talk about the December house show at MSG because it's a big deal. And it's, you know, the main event is Kamal and Hogan won. And look, it's always a big deal to main event MSG. It's always a big deal to main event MSG with Hogan. And it's a huge deal to main event MSG with Hogan on the December 26th show. It's It's been a tradition for years. If you're a WWF fan, you know that the MSG is the mecca. That's their arena all the way back to Vince Sr. and well before him. And that 1226 show is huge. Everyone's on vacation. Kids all over New York City in the Tri-State area getting tickets in their stockings. You know, <laughs> taking the train down to MSG, yeah. Penn Station, the day after Christmas. For this show, always a packed house, and it's such tradition they've carried on till today. I always dreamed of going to this. Dave, you lived in the area. I know you didn't go to one because it was just too convenient for you to go to the Meadowlands, usually within a day or two of it. Uh, but what, well, do you, actually, have, what do you remember about I have about gone it? to one. Right, well, not well, in our era, I guess. Yeah, not in our, our era. Once they stopped showing them on MSG Network, we can go when I was Brett was a champion and times like that. I, I went to a few of them in you know, the mid-'90s, new generation era. But, yeah, being on TV was a big deal, you know. But uh, what do I remember about it? Um, just remember that it was usually a, um, it was this, it was usually on a Monday night at Madison Square Garden, but it, it was a held exception at Christmas time. This Christmas, special Christmas holiday show was a Friday night in 1986, and it was always on, like, a strange night of the, uh, of the week. And um, it's just a, it's a little bit of a different atmosphere in there, the way Gorilla even welcomes you in and everything. The one in 1991 was a rematch with Hogan and Hogan and Flair that they had at Madison Square Garden. It actually aired on the Embassy Network on New Year's Eve. So how, how festive was that in 1991? Just a special night all around and uh, for the WWF. And then even a few days later, New Year's weekend, you'd have your Saturday night's main event. So on your VHS tapes, you'd have the MSG Network house show. And then right after that would come... Maybe a superstars in the middle and Saturday night's main event. Gotta love it, Steve. Yeah, and December 26, 1986, it's a sellout. Like you said, it's a sellout, it's, of course. Yep, televised on the MSG network. And uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan are on the commentary. I mean, talk about. First time for Bobby in uh, the garden. Talk about Christmas, you know, already. That just sounds like Christmas to me. Uh, and of course, it's Hulk and uh, Kamala. Uh, Hulk wins the match. Uh, via disqualification at 639 when the wizard tripped up Hogan from the outside and then held his legs down for Kamala to splash him twice. Uh, Hogan was then triple teamed and was held down by the wizard and kimchi uh, for Kamala to hit a splash off the top, but Hogan was able to escape uh, and clear off three from the ring following the bout. Bobby Heenan interviewed the wizard and kimchi and Kamala backstage until Kamala was attacked by Hogan uh, with both having to be separated by several wrestlers and officials 
including Vince McMahon. And this match is on the Hulkamania 2 tape, which is one of the better Hulkamania tapes. 2 and 3, I think, are the best ones. But uh, we'll Agreed. get into those someday. We'll, we'll, we'll look at those tapes. All right, let's talk about this first match. Kamal Hogan won uh, at MSG. And it, I want to mention, too, with Bobby, the, all along, he was saying he was going to have an interview with the winner of the match. Uh, and then uh, the heel move is that, of course, it's it's Kamala <laughs> that he interviews, and that leads to the pull apart. Uh, but one of the best pull aparts ever, in my opinion. Yeah, really great. What what were your opinions on? We watched him back this week. We're going to go into more detail about the January of '87 MSG show and the match as well. But we first, you got to talk about the first match. So, what were your thoughts here? Oh well, this match, my thoughts. I actually watched this match at my Uncle Tito's house. Remember, it's the holidays. He only lived right around the corner from me. And my my best friend, Anthony Pagano, he was seven, I was six. We watched this match, and all of a sudden, when the music hit, Kamala's music, that scary music, whatever you want to call it, I ran up the stairs, and there's like a, a little landing on the stair where you could still kind of peek at the TV, and then the stairs go up the other way to, to go upstairs in the house we were in. And I was watching, and they they even my friend was seven, they were messing with me. Oh, the, the, the hoax was going down. Oh, but it was kind of the truth. And I, was, I wasn't I was a big crier. I know you said you, Steve, were crying at the, when Ricky the Dragon oh, came up lost the IC title. Yeah, inconsolable. Uh, yeah, I was a little more of like a, a, a freaking out. Like, it was just, just going insane. And when all, all of a sudden, my Uncle Tito yelled up, oh, Hogan, he pulled them both together when Kimchi had uh, Hogan's legs and the wizard had his arms and Hulk jerked them both together. I went darting down the stairs. And to watch the, you know, Hogan must pose the uh, thing. But Hogan didn't really pose. He sold the rib injury. Yeah, he very, wouldn't hold the one well. arm up, really. He wouldn't hold it he up. He would not hold up. And he said he gave the fans a little bit of a peace sign and just left. I thought that was a very good setup to set us up for next month. I, lo- I love everything about it. Obviously, I'm a little biased because this is my kind of debut into the real time, like we like to say. Uh, I loved every bit of it and was scared shit. Yeah, great story. That's really cool. I oh, could I could picture it, but they really do a great job. And of course, you know, uh, the Fink is going to come on into the ring and say, "Look at, uh, these guys are coming back next month in January." You know, get your tickets now. And I, I believe that walking out of the arena, uh, fans. There's are, no DQ. No DQ, and they didn't even say it. Fink didn't even say it that night. Not until Ken Resnick in the uh, pre-event center. Uh, said it was going to be a no DQ match, but I'm sure. Yeah, walking out, they they walked out with their tickets in uh, Midtown that night, and uh, they sold out. Over fifteen thousand five hundred is a sellout um, for January nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven, Madison Square Garden. Again, it's televised on the MSG Network. Gorilla Monsoon and Gene Oakland are on commentary. Rare uh, appearance for Mean Gene back on color at yeah, the Garden. Yeah, he's there for a purpose. He presents an award to Howard Finkel. Uh, celebrating Finkel's 10th anniversary as the MSG ring announcer. So uh, a special uh, moment for the Fink. All right, let's go over the card. I'll let you know when the Hulk and Andre match, or excuse me, Hulk and Kamala match is, but we're going to skip it. We'll do that last. Uh, So we'll go over the card. Again, this is January 19th, 1997. Because the main event usually went on before intermission at the Garden. You want to explain why? Well, you, not actually not in this case, but in most cases, it would be to announce the rematch to get your tickets to the next show. In, in this case, this, they only did two. Um, 
I think that's the Hulkster wanted room service this night. And there was, yeah. it actually, like we're going to say, it started to snow that night in New York. But and, uh, usually that was the case. So I guess they kind of just got into a format and basically kept it that way. And then, of course, the other reason is that Hulk would like to get out of there. You know, like I said, the room service. Yeah, <laughs> get to leave. Uh, leave, from the fans, from, leave early, yeah. yeah, get a beat on the fans. All right, opening match, and boy, uh, was it a, do- a doozy. Uh, I'm going to screw up Brad's name, uh, but I think it's Rainhans. Rangins. 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 He yes. pinned Frenchie Martin. Oof, 1649. They took a ton Wait, of so, time. It was a yeah. brutal match. Yeah, the, Brad Rangins is someone that's spoken very highly of, you know, a long time AWA. Uh, you know, obviously a collegiate yeah, hero good shoot to, wrestler. to many. Yeah. yeah. Just didn't but, uh not for us here. No, it didn't <laughs> at work this time. Didn't work in New York. Uh the Can Am connection defeated Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Upset uh, at eighteen thirty six, another nightmare for the dream team. <laughs> yeah, and he did, Gorilla said it immediately when they were coming down the aisle. I liked the Can Am connection. I never liked Strike Force. Which is Get weird. Out of here. I'm, the, I'm the opposite. And I know it's weird because I love Tito way more than Tom Zink. Probably just because I like the Hart Foundation, so I was mad at them for I got you. winning the titles from them. But I just never never got into it. I, I would have liked to have seen how the Can-Am connection would have done had Zink not left shortly after WrestleMania three. Yeah. It, the, it did, I think it prevented the strike force. Uh, from Tito becoming a jobber to the stars earlier than he actually did. Sure. It gave him a little more of a lifeline. Good for Tito. There. It was good for Tito. The best. Uh, another debut at MSG. Uh, the outlaw Ron Bass uh, pinned okay. SD Jones. Okay. Good uh, Good guys there all around. Uh, outlaw, just this is his debut. Uh, I believe he may have been on. He was at the taping in the Meadowlands before this. But this is his debut and everybody in their debut at this time goes over good old sd that's right paul orndorff with bobby heenan defeated george Steele via disqualification because love Steele this love got it. a chair bobby um, brought the poster yeah, out of trolling elizabeth. him trolling him with an elizabeth poster <laughs> getting him off his off his mark uh, this match is getting on. them off or getting them up both. Yeah, both. Off and <laughs> off. <laughs> you can watch this match on the best of WWF Volume Twelve, the tape. If you're and that poster, do you think? Uh, do you th- I think Paul is off the line, right? She is. Yeah. Do you think Elizabeth almost seemed like she was topless in that poster? Yeah, because it, it's the... it's pretty much from her cleavage up, and she's got one of those dresses that. Doesn't go above her cleavage, so you barely can tell that she's even dressed at all. Yeah, I don't know how Macho Man would have a lot of. And I don't, maybe some of the older fans, the motto, someone like him might remember, they would do the update segments on TV from the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine. All the magazines would pile on each other. And it looked like they would pile yeah. the magazine of the month on top. It looked like these two huge boobs and Elizabeth's face right there. I don't know if that was done on purpose or not, but uh, I always got a kick out of that. Yeah, really good, really good stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Chung Lee pinned Jerry Allen. A lot of jabronis on this card, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the rest of the um, we'll read where Hogan was. Yeah, uh, maybe a little while in December, but the rest of the you know, uh, to, uh, um, my God, I bit my tongue there. The roster is cut in thirds, probably. You know, three. Uh, yep. Someone else, and you could feel. You know it. what I mean? You I can't feel it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can feel it on this card that. Yeah. There's other shows going on because 
not a ton of stars. All right, th- then Hulk and Kamala are up, but we'll take a break on that. We'll read that last. Uh, Lanny Poffo pinned the Red Demon. See, like, this is what I mean. You know, you what know I mean? who the Red Demon was? Can I tell you? If you sure, don't know? go for it. Jose Luis Rivera. Yep. As I learned. They actually announced him much. Yeah. <laughs> as I learned on the Place to Be Nation podcast, who covered this show, uh, really great. Check out the archives uh, for that one. Great, um, great stuff. Yeah, I want to mention that. Jimmy, Jimmy Hart came out prior to this match, announced that if the Hart Foundation could beat Davy Boy Smith later in the show, uh, they would win one half of the WWF Tag Team Championship. I don't think Pretty cool. I don't think, not so sure it worked like that, but hey, well. Jimmy says that he's made that rule for the night. Uh, the Junkyard Dog defeated King Harley Race via countout uh, after he shoved Race into the ring post. Of course, they're kind of building up the match to WrestleMania 3. This is when the dog's like, this country never had no queen. This country never had no king. And uh, he's only wearing some Harley Race. Yep, Harley Race. He, uh, they did a number on him after the match, and they did a similar thing on Saturday Night's Main Event the, the next week when yep. it aired. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes, who's subbing for an injured Dynamite kid. And, and it was supposed to be on, t- on TV. I'm sorry, but the TV was supposed to be Black Jack Mulligan. I guess his horse took a wrong turn on uh, Broadway that night. Yeah. Uh, they defeated Bret Hart and uh, Jim Dam on Nightheart, so no half championship. Uh, Brett, no. Brett submitted to the full Nelson. Uh, Danny like Davis. A... Danny Davis was the original referee for the bout, but was knocked out uh, late in the contest. So another referee had to came come in and stop the match. And they probably weren't planning on that. You know, the Hearts. They thought that that they had Jimmy and they could, or had Danny and they could win that half title there. But no. When there's a sub a substitute on the face side, the faces always have to go over to make the crowd happy. So that's that's your uh, submission there from the uh, future champs. All right, so let's get into it. Hulk Hogan versus Kamala. Any stories about watching this match, Hogan and Kamala too? Were you anywhere special this, for one, this one? I was home in my parents' house, but my uncle Tito and Auntie, his wife, who's my father's sister, were there. It was a Monday night. This is the way thing. Now Monday night, nothing goes on. This is how things were in the eighties. They were at my house. I believe it was Martin Luther King Day. I believe we were off school that day, and it was becoming a, a monthly thing. We all get together and watch the MSG Network uh, when the WWF is on. And um, this time I wasn't as, as afraid. Holster came out with the paint on his face, and we learned that it was Kamala that actually painted his face. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, really cool. Yeah, Kamala mentioned yeah. that in the shoots that. Yeah. Kamala really, and, uh, really complimentary of Hulk for these matches and for sticking up for him with paydays, all that kind of stuff. Kamala, no not, sour, no not sour a bad word to Hulk say too. about Hulk. Yep. Yeah. All People right. You should really keep that in mind. Courtesy. Uh, and also, it, yeah, go ahead. It, uh, during this one, one other little piece of info, it started snowing, like we said, for the Devil's Game two days later. But uh, it started snowing. We got off school the next day. And I think we kind of knew that night so I could stay up for the, the whole car at the end of it. So that was pretty nice. wild. Very nice. Love a snow day. Yeah. All right. Hogan and Kamala, this uh, recap courtesy of uh, JT and Scott at Place to Be Nation. Please check them out. Every other Monday, they have a new episode. They're going through. They started in 1985, January, and they go through every Justin MSG. and Scott started in 19... 19- I'm, I'm just kidding. I know when they started. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Hogan versus Kamala, a huge rematch here from last month. This time, no DQ. 
Uh, the crowd is hyped up for this one as it seems that the title may really be in jeopardy. And I totally agree with Justin there. Anytime uh, Hogan stepped in the ring with Kamala, I thought Kamala could kill him. Uh, and Dave, you, you, I think, agree with that as well. The first one, yeah. This, this one, I had uh, a little bit bigger balls watching for some reason. But yeah, still. still Wizard, uh, the, yeah, Wizard and, just... the Wizard and Kim Chi lead Kamala out. Uh, and he, he, just the sight of him, is, it's just frightening. Uh, Gorilla thinks Kamala is nearing 500 pounds. Hogan comes out with war paint on his face and gets a huge reaction. Uh, Kamala jumps Hogan as he enters the ring and mauls him, whipping him with the title belt over and over. Hogan ducks a shot and punches away and then levels Kamala with the title. And the crowd goes nuts, just blows up at this point. Uh, crowd's going wild. Hogan decks Wizard and then he chases Kimchi into the ring, but he lost his focus. And Kamala pounces on him and whips him with the belt again before unloading some headbutts. Kicks and chop. Uh, the crowd tries to rally the champ, but Kamala slams and splashes Hogan for a really close uh, pinfall. Hogan just kind of slides out of the back door barely. Uh, and the crowd bit on it. I think there was a lot of people in the crowd who thought that the title might be switching right there. Kamala heads up top, but backs off and comes back inside uh, to maintain control. He slams Hogan again, but this time misses a splash to a huge pop. Hogan mows through the challenger and clotheslines and then bites him before choking away with his wrist tape. Hulk drops Kamala with an atomic drop and then slugs the challenger to the floor. Hulk comes out and works over all three men as Gene wants to know who's under the kimchi mask. Uh, back inside, Hogan slams Kamala but whiffs on an elbow drop. Kamala uh, chops and kicks and some more, but it seems... There's a bit of a loss because he just can't put Hulk away, uh, and most people couldn't. Uh, Hulk sneaks to the corner and busts out a packet of powder and then tosses it in Kamala's face. Hulk slides out and wipes out Wizard and Kimchi again. Remember, this is no DQ, so I don't want to hear any sour grapes about Hulk using <laughs> the salt. It's a no DQ match. No DQ, Would have been right. crazy not to take advantage. Hulk goes back in, bashes Kamala with Wizard's horn, and then drops the leg for the win. A red-hot brawl. A maniac pace, tremendous atmosphere. Kamala was great. Felt like a true contender. Hogan really came off as a conquering hero that would do whatever it takes, given the stipulation. Uh, Justin gave it three stars. Now, remember, their their ratings are relative to all matches. Uh, and when Dave and I give our ratings, it will be relative to only Hogan matches. Uh, what do you think about this match? I think definitely the better of the two. Um Gave him a little bit more time. Uh, I thought that the no DQ stipulation was really good, and they took advantage of it. They used it. I thought Kimchi and Wizard were great in and out of the ring, taking great bumps. I, I really love this match. And I, I made a little bit of a mistake. I backed myself into a little bit of a corner uh, with grading that WrestleMania 2 match as high as I did. But I'm going to live with that. I'm going to give this four stars, a solid four stars. And maybe could have even went higher. But I thought both guys really worked their ass off. I thought the crowd was amazing. You know, the MSG crowd going crazy for Hulk. Dave, what were your reactions and what's your rating for this match? Okay, before we get into my reactions for the match, and then we're going to get into the post-match naturally. Uh, I just want to tell you, the Wizard's Horn, he called that the Tooth of Shar Khan. And in all the interviews leading up to this, and all interviews Hogan did about Kamala, Hogan called the Tooth the Tooth of Shaka Khan. Which uh, kind of tickles me. I think that's pretty funny. And, but nobody, no announcer, nobody ever sold it. Nobody ever sold it. 
Uh, this match, I have a little bit more of emotional connection to the December 26th match. Just right. I was the freaking great out. Story, yep. But this is, yeah, the great story. But this is the better of the two, without a doubt. I love this match. I love everything about it. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to have to go uh, for no disqualification. You know, they took advantage of that very well. Uh, I'm going to go on par with you. I'm going to go this time four stars as well. I love it. All I right. love everything about it. And if I want it, I'm, I'm going to give another four stars the month before, even though we're not great in that, just because of the emotional connection to that. Now, after the match... Hogan skill. After the match, Andre the Giant comes out to the ring and picks up the title belt. Gene and Gorilla assume he's there to congratulate Hulk and present him with the title. Hulk holds out his hands, but Andre just stares at the title. Then done at Hulk, so well, so perfectly. Then he stares at Hulk, and then he tosses the belt to Hogan before walking off as the crowd boos him. Gene and and Gorilla call Andre aloof and say that's just his style, but we know there's more a brew in there. Yes, sir. And how quickly the crowd turned on Andre because all that aired on TV, unless they were at the Meadowlands TV taping a few weeks ago, they could see the three uh, trophy segments. One with Hogan getting a trophy for three, and three years of champion. One with Andre getting a smaller trophy than one with Jesse. If they weren't there, all they saw was Hogan getting his trophy. They turned down Andre like that. You saw all the garbage flying. That just shows how over uh, the champ was in uh, 1987, early 1987, if people you know, weren't watching at that time. It was unbelievable. And I know we kind of only did the house show this, this episode. We kind of only did November of 86, but... There was something you had prepared, and this is a good time to mention it, uh, because you mentioned here about how quickly a hero like Andre the Giant got turned on. Correct. What happened with Hulk when he did a snake pit in 87 that aired only in limited markets? You want to go over that? Okay, sir. Yeah, it was December 10th in Tucson at the Wrestling Challenge taping in front of 8,000 fans. Uh, This actually aired in the Providence Market TV and Winnipeg, Canada TV. And Jake the Snake had Hulkster as a guest on the Snake Pit. And I guess the two have them exchanged words, and Jake threw powder into the Hulkster's eyes and got him with the DDT on the concrete floor on the Snake Pit. I'm not sure if he put Damien on him or not, but apparently, as the legend goes, the crowds cheered Jake and not Hulk and chanted DDT, DDT, and that's why everything was scraped. This is according to Jake. But no. it's not possible in any way in right. 1986. Maybe a few fans might have been right there chanting DDT. Because how well could you even see the way these sets were set up in the arenas? It was in the back of the arena. It wasn't on a platform like Brother Love ended up being. It was down on the ground. I mean, maybe it didn't go the way Vince wanted to. But Jake, ah, sorry, buddy. I love you. But uh, you're wrong there. But they, they did have their two matches, uh, well, two run of matches. In uh, January and February of 87 in the Providence Civic Center. And then a match or two in Winnipeg. Yeah, I bring this up now. Interesting stuff there. I bring this up now only to mention that MSG is a place that Andre the Giant's been a face for years and years. And the love of Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan is so strong. They turn on Andre in a second. A second. So listen, Jake. There might have been a few, you know, maybe some older fans or... Diehard Snake fans cheering DDT, but there's just no way, you know. I just don't buy. Not a chance. Yeah. In hell. A yeah. couple of years later, a few years later, sure. Ninety-one, 
1986. Uh, but overall, a really great feud. I loved looking back and watching these matches. Uh, loved reliving the Kamala and Hogan feud. I thought really well done. You know, unbelievable crowds. The the legendary day after Christmas show at MSG. Certainly not wasted in 1986. A great match. And then the great return in 87. Now, a couple things to kind of finish. And we'll talk about here. This is January of 87. Now, March of 87 is WrestleMania 3. March 29th. No Kamala. At all. No Kamala. Not only is he not wrestling Hulk. We know Hulk's got something else to do. But he's not wrestling at all. Um, Why do you think, Dave? What is your well, speculation it, there? He was there in the building that night. He got right, paid he did for get being a payday. there. Yep. My speculation goes two ways. Uh, the one way which I believe the most is backup for Andre. Remember, the who was the other yep. person, Steve? Orndorff. The only other person out there, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yep. Hogan's two feuds that were on the road at this time leading up. So it seems like if something, God forbid, happened to Andre health-wise or if he didn't want to do business... Kamala and Orndorff are both there for whatever Vince want to do with them. Remember they, what they did on the main event with uh, the cage with Orndorff and Hogan? They could have used that in their back pocket. But uh, my other uh, reason, Steve, is they actually were teasing a feud. If you heard me in my November results on the road, where uh, Kamala and King Kong Bundy. Now, they were teasing Bundy and Stud breakup at this time and maybe having Bundy go face. But uh, Stud left the company, and uh, it looked like it was going to be Kamala and Bundy at WrestleMania. But they ended up going with the midget or little person uh, match, you know, with Hillbilly, like we all know. But uh, yeah, those are the two things. Uh, a lot of people think that he was set to face Hacksaw Jim Duggan at WrestleMania three. I believe otherwise, because Hacksaw had his very prominent spot being in the corner of the Killer Bees in that match. He was a star of that match, so I don't see why there. But uh, yeah, I think he was being held for backup for Andre and the, and or the uh, Bundy uh, matchup. Yeah. I think I agree that, you know, wonderful or Kamala, they can make it. If they have to make a decision on the fly, you know, if Andre can't make it, if Andre's hurt, like you said, if you won't do business, they were there as insurance. That's all. They're sending both out there. Yeah. It was too big of a night, you know, to not have maybe an ace up their sleeve. And maybe they weren't worried about Andre beyond anything other than injury or, you know, his physical. Maybe it wasn't even, you know, people might say, well, that's Hogan nonsense. Will will Andre do business? Of course he would. And you know what? I kind of believe that. Of course Andre was going to do business that night. Of course he was. He's too much of a professional not to. And we'll get to that when we talk about that feud. But It's not like now where you can sub out Roman Reigns out of a match or whomever. You know, if Hogan or Andre wasn't in that match, you know, everything, everything changes. Everything. Last thing here, I think the legacy of this feud and the impact it had on Hogan, very positive. You know, I think certainly in New York and on the road all across the country where they worked this match. And again, we talked about it last time, about how the business is built around these house shows. So on the syndication. Big houses. Yep, on the syndication shows, they're building up. Kamala's a threat. The work in the angle. If he jumps off the top rope, he's retiring people. They do it very good. Kamala's a huge threat to Hogan and the title. And it's done very well. Doesn't beat him clean the first time. Gets the clean win the second time. Really helps push him towards Andre, which is next and so important to the company. 
Um, so I think it was just a great feud, had a great impact on Hogan and Hulkamania. Hats off, nothing but props uh, to Kamala. Anything else to add there, Dave? Uh, no, I just uh, I love everything about this feud. It seemed like he was kind of the Ugandan giant. Then there's Andre the Giant kind of getting him ready for that giant with that body slam every night. How tall was Kamala? 6'5"? Yeah, that's, you know, that, that's so, right in that area, yep. It's a big man. So, I mean, it's almost like, you know, this is kind of what we're going to base this match on a little bit. You know, the champ getting worked over by the monster and everything. Let's get you ready uh, for the eighth wonder. And I think uh, Kamala did his job and did it very well. Yeah, Kamala was billed at 6'7", but probably more realistically 6'5". Probably more realistic, yeah. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back to close this baby out. we got some listener emails, and we're going to let you know what episode three of the 24-inch podcast is going to be about. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Dave Rollins here. Uh, last segment closing out 24 inch podcast, our second episode. Want to thank everyone again who listened to the pilot. We really encourage your feedback, your notes. Email us 24 inch podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two, the number four inch podcast at gmail.com. Same way on Twitter at 24 inch podcast, number two, number four inch podcast. There, we welcome all feedback. Really appreciate it. Uh, anything you got, bring it on. Dave, we got some emails. And that's another thing. Uh, we'd like your emails every week. Send us some emails, questions about Hulk, uh, questions about Dave, questions about myself, anything. <laughs> uh, ask us anything. What you like, what you don't. We'll read them. Uh, we won't duck you. Uh, well, but... it depends, you know, how personal we're going to. I'm just kidding. You can ask me anything you want. All right. What do we got? First question. It's probably about Dave's dick. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Oh, okay. All right. All right. What well, do we got? From Kevin from, from from Kevin from Nutley. So I hope not. But uh, the, the question is: As uh, Kamala, sorry, because Kamala ever had has Kamala ever had a big man partner a la the Twin Towers and Natural Disasters? Kevin from Nutley. The answer is a big fuck yes. Kamala surely has, and it was Wild Samoan Sika who we touched on a little earlier. And right after WrestleMania 3, after Curtis Iakea left the company, Mr. Fuji took control of Kamala and Sika's contract and put the two together. They had a couple of matches with the Can-Am Connection on Wrestling Challenge. And uh, even though Kamala was still working with the Hulkster around the horn, uh, these two were pretty much a tag team on TV, eating up those chicken and eating up those fish live, I might add. One thing Peter I want to... Hold on, hold I'm on. sorry. Slow your roll. Uh, one, thing I Slow want... down. one thing I want to mention there was... I always thought that kimchi would be great for a swerve and someone being under there. And they did eventually do it. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, a famous spot where the honky-tonk man uh, revealed himself to be kimchi on Saturday Night's Main Event. And Vince is selling you that. That 
that that's the honky tonk man. And Jesse's like, what a flasher, flashy dresser Kimchi is. Look at those threads. When he, he takes off the jacket first, and you just see the the Elvis jumpsuit. Good stuff, Steve. Love yeah, it. but I think Sika and Kamala could have been, you know, the follow up to Bundy and Stud. It's too bad they didn't last longer. They could have probably been a pretty devastating tag team. Agreed, hundred percent. All right, who's next? Gina from Queens. Interesting fact about Hulk Hogan, but not a well-known fact about Hulk Hogan. Okay, I guess she means an interesting fact that's not known. Uh, you could have your own answer, Steve, but mine is going to be that Hulk Hogan appeared on a CBS pilot for a show called Goldie and the Bears. It was a show based on a football team. Now, this was in 1984, after Hulk Hogan had won the World Wrestling Federation Championship and Hulkamania had taken off. Now, if this show were to be picked up, this could cha- this could smell a lot of change for Vince and Hulk and the whole uh, landscape of wrestling. What do you think? Yeah, that's wild. Obviously, Hulk always he was an actor before he was a Hulkamaniac, right? In wrestling, in um, you know, he left the company the first time because Vince Senior famously said to him, "You know, you're either a wrestler or an actor." He's like, "All right, well, I'm going to do Rocky Three. Smart uh, move." Yes, yeah, so I think that he definitely always wanted to um to do that. To, to, so, yeah, it could have definitely changed. I think Hogan would have jumped at acting if the opportunity was right, for sure. Agreed. And we probably wouldn't be here right now doing the 24th podcast. Or at least our pilot wouldn't have gotten picked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do people know that the idea to call him Hulk uh, came after he was on a radio show with Lou Ferrigno? Is uh-huh. that kind of a known I thing? I don't, I don't know if that's known or not, but. Frig- no, I think for the person asking the question, probably. No, that's that's a good answer, Steve. Yeah, Ferrigno was obviously portraying the role of the Incredible Hulk. Uh, and they both appeared on a local radio show. And the host noticed uh, that Terry was bigger than Lou. And uh, somehow that earned Hulk part of his stage name. Uh, and the Hogan part allegedly comes from Vince McMahon Sr. wanted him to adopt an Irish persona. So that's where you got Hogan, because back in the days in the Garden, they always had the different ethnicities represented, right? Like Bruno, tap into the Italians, you know, Pedro. Pedro. Yeah, so they would do that, and so Ivan Putsky for Polish. So the legend has it that Hulk came from a radio host who noticed that Hulk Hogan was bigger than Lou, and the Hogan part comes from uh, the ethnicity thing. So I don't know if that is known, how known that is, because I know it. Sometimes it's hard to gauge. How something you already know is known, but that'll be my answer. I got one email here too, Dave. Now, there's a band called the Sheila Divine, right? And they always talk about how they're popular in the three Bs, Buffalo, Boston, and Belgium. Well, the sports casters is popular in Buffalo, Denver, and New Orleans. Now, Buffalo, I think, is obvious because I'm from here. Uh, New Orleans, I think, because of all the Saints content. And Denver, Makes because sense. I once did a podcast with a guy named Adrian Dater, who writes out of Denver about the Colorado Avalanche. So I wasn't surprised uh, to sign into my sportscaster's email uh, and find a email from someone from Denver, a friend, Chad. He's, he's written emails to all my shows. So what's up, Chad from Denver? Thanks for coming over to this one. And he was just curious of the, the merch. He says, back when I was a kid, I had Hulk Hogan everything. Lunchboxes, action figures, pajamas, bed sheets. Just curious about two other huge fans of the Hulkster. What was some of the different pieces of merch you had back in the day of Hulkamania? 
Good question, Chad. What do you got, Dave? Very good question. Okay, the first piece of Hulkamania merchandise uh, was the LJN, uh, you know, rubber uh, wrestling figure. Then I, we yep, could do a whole podcast on the LJN. Yep, I had and it then, as well. Of course. And then the uh, from a store, Belleville Tobacco in Belleville, Belleville, New Jersey, where Juno, Junior Soprano lived. There was a store, it was a tobacco store, but these guys were diehard wrestling fans. It was posters, shirts, LJM figures, the whole store. And they had a uh, red Hulkamania shirt with the sleeves cut off. And my friend says, a picture in his head of me is me with that red Hulkamania shirt with the sleeves cut off and a red Coca-Cola can in my hand in the summer. And that's how he always remembers me and sees me that way. So I'm going to say, not the LJM because everybody had that, but that special red sleeveless Hulkamania shirt from Belleville Tobacco. Thanks for that question. Well, my number one piece of Hulk Hogan merchandise that always comes to mind is we talked about earlier when I went, my dad took me to the TV taping of Superstars in Buffalo in June of 1987. And I was super into Steamboat, uh, the feud with the Macho Man. And of course, Steamboat loses the match, loses the title right in front of me. I mean, I was on that side of the ring where Honky Tonk held the ropes. I had really good. I mean, it's right in front of me. And I was crying for on my dad's lap for like a half an hour. So my dad's like, why don't we go get some nachos? You know, look at the, you know, look at the merch stand, whatever. So he bought me one of those giant foam fingers, the Hulkamania foam fingers. It was red. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he bought me that and I was so happy like to get that. And I wanted to get the steamboat shirt. But they didn't have it in my size, so I couldn't get that. But I did get the Hulk finger. I got the program, and we did get the nachos. Uh, Remember that I, yellow, the yellow steamboat shirt with like the yeah, Japanese? Yeah, the, yeah they yeah. only had like XLs left or something. Okay. But um, I had that foam, that Hogan foam finger in my college. Funny about the foam. It, at my college. Like I had it that long. Awesome. When, when Dusty Rhodes came to the WWF in 1989, his name for Hogan when he talked to him personally, it was Yellowfinger because that's all he saw out in the crowd. So when he saw Hogan, he'd be like, hey, Yellowfinger, come over here. Yeah, I think mine was red. Cool. No, mine was definitely red. Was red? Yeah, definitely was it red. red. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Most of them were yellow. I'm pretty sure I had a red one. Maybe it was an alternate like your T-shirt. Could be. All right, that is it for today. Uh, that's all we got on Kamala. Rest in peace, uh, James Harris. Uh, we miss you. Yes, you should. Even though we said a little bit of sour grapes, didn't he seem like such a nice guy in a lot of those shoots? He really seemed like a, a down-to-earth. Uh, he did. He did. And, yeah. he, and he had the rough with the diabetes, lost both his legs. Lost both his legs, but didn't yeah. mention that. You yeah, know, terrible. he was struggling. Uh, B. Brian Blair and the um, the Cauliflower Alley people really helped him getting a Jer- – Jericho gave Yeah, Jericho with donation. the $5,000 donation to help him with some bills before he passed away. I'm sure it was much – his head was much clearer not having that hanging over it. Next week, absolutely one of the all-time characters in a business. Here we go, full of characters. Uh, we will talk about the Iron Sheik, or as he's known in my house, Sheiky Baby, Sheiky as Paula Baby. calls him. Uh, <laughs> we're going to look at the main match and the main card. We're going to look at January twenty-third, nineteen eighty-four, the start of Hulkamania. Uh, we're going to do that match. We're going to look at Sheik. We're gonna, it's going to be similar to the show today, obviously. Uh, we're going to break down the life of the Sheik. we both got to watch the documentary back. If, if you've seen it, obviously. I'm in, that, I'm in the documentary. Yeah, Dave's actually. in it, see? So we got to watch it. it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that can be a Where's Waldo. All the listeners, if you find Dave. 
I think I'm wearing a pink. Is that, is no, I don't you can find me hints. very easily. Yeah, look, okay, look, not too many I'm not wearing a cut-off red Hulkamania shirt, but no yellow thing. Yeah, but well, next week. That's the only hint. Next week, Shiki Baby, January 23rd, 1984, MSG, and the start of Hulkamania. Dave, that's going to be a lot of fun. It was a pleasure, buddy. Always a pleasure. And Paula Mania, I hope Santa Claus was listening because you were such a good girl tonight joining us. And we love you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Steve. Yeah. Until next time, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother. Brother.